Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. First John chapter 3, and we're sort of starting a mini-series for the next couple weeks. Um, we call it a mini-series because it's going to be a little uh, just on and off for the next couple weeks, and then we'll have a guest speaker in about three weeks, and then we'll kick off a... Um, uh, a new series, but uh, so this new this sort of mini series, we're talking about one another or uh, the different ideas about this concept of one another. And there's a lot of instructions in the Bible about how Christians should treat one another. In fact, there are 59 one another statements in the New Testament that speak specifically to how followers of Jesus should treat each other. 59 different statements on how we should treat one another. And uh, in this series, we're going to look at a few of the instructions. We're not going to look at all 59. That would take us a long time. Um, But we're going to look at a few of them. Tonight, we're going to follow the example of Jesus on how we are to love one another. Everyone say, love one another. That's what we're going to look at. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, is where we'll be. You can also follow along at the events page on the Bible app if you want to follow along that way. All right. Man, Ethan's got a real Bible. Shout out, Ethan. You, so does Emma. Wow. Hold up the real Bible. Anybody with a real Bible? Like a good old, not a phone, like a pages Bible. Come on, hold it up. Pages, but come on. Anyone else? Yes. Shout out the real Bibles as I hold up my iPad. All right. First John chapter 3. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Manifest is revealed to, make, to be made known. So this is how we can tell the difference between the child of God and the child of the devil. That's what John says. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Everyone that doesn't have any brothers is like, I'm off the hook. Doesn't apply to me. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. I want to say, love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. You're like, well, yeah, that's not loving each other. Like, love one another. Not like Cain murdered his brother. You're like, yeah, that was a big leap from loving one another to murdering your brother. Like, all right. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Wait a second. I thought we were talking about loving one another. Don't marvel as you, he says, love one another. And don't love each other like Cain hated his brother. That's not love. That's murder. (laughs) That's hate. And as you love one another, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Okay. Why, if we're loving each other, would would the world hate us? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren." If I say the phrase, bring the board, bring the board, I wonder what you think of. If I say, bring the board, uh, someone thought surfboard, someone else thought skateboard, someone maybe thought soundboard, (laughs) maybe an ironing board, or you thought a plank of wood, Hannah, my wife, thought charcuterie board, 
Like, depending on your definition, it will determine your actions, right? If I tell you, hey, bring the board, depending upon how you define board or what you think of when I say the word board, will determine. Some of you thought, I'm bored. (laughs) Depending on your definition, it will determine your actions. Love is a popular idea, right? Love is a popular idea, but it's a complicated word. It's complex. And depending on your definition of love, it will determine your behavior, right? Depending on how you define those four letters, depending on how you define the idea of love, what it looks like, what it means, what it feels like, how it expresses itself, depending on how you define it will determine your actions. Are you with me? Love is a complicated, popular idea, but complicated word. And this is perhaps one of the primary problems in our culture today. People have hijacked the word love, redefined it, and then made it the primary objective of everyone's life. The problem is we don't have a biblical idea or a biblical definition of love because no one agrees on its definition. So what does the Bible mean when it tells us to love one another? Because for many of us, as we read that, love one another, we're like, okay, and then we have a definition, and then we have actions that follow. Does that make sense? We have our own definition, and then because we have our own definition, we get to define for ourselves what it means to love one another. Does it mean tolerate or affirm? Does it mean get along with everyone? Does it mean leave people alone and let them do whatever they want because that's their life and their truth and their identity and so that's what love is? Does it mean get married to someone? Does it mean treat them as you want to be treated? Like what do we mean when we say love each other? What is that? Where do we even start? And in these simple verses, we actually give a very comprehensive definition and direction for Christian love. I'm going to say that again. In these simple verses, we get a very comprehensive, meaning like over and above, and definition and direction for Christian love. Now, I say Christian love because there's a distinction between how Christians are supposed to love God, each other, and the world around them. Let me ask you a question. Feel free to answer this. Is there a hierarchy in God's love? In other words, does God love things differently? Is there a hierarchy in God's love? The answer is yes. God does love things differently. Meaning, God doesn't love everything the same. What I mean by that is God loves the world, but God loves the church more than he loves the world. God loves sinners, but God loves the righteous more than he loves sinners. Are you with me? God God loves the world, but he loves the church more. God loves sinners. In fact, he loves the, the world so much, he loves sinners so much that he sent his son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins, First John would tell us. But more than that, God loves the righteous. So with that, in the same way there's a hierarchy of God's love, meaning he doesn't love everything the same, 
this, that there's also a hierarchy or a way that we as Christians are supposed to love. When we throw out the word love, it doesn't just mean one thing. Because the way you love God and the way you love Christians and the way you love the world around you or people that don't follow Jesus looks differently. Are you with me? This is important that we lay this groundwork because I think we have a lot of ideas when it comes to love, don't we? If, we got, if I asked you to come up here and be like, okay, tell me what love is. Oh, that's pretty good. Thanks for sharing. Next person. Ugh, that's a little weird. All right, next person. Right, like if we go one by one and we have our definitions of love, we'd all come to different definitions, right? I mean, like pretty much anything. I was looking up words in preparation for this message that are one word that contradict itself in different definitions. Like the word strike is an example. Like strike in a baseball means to miss the ball. But to strike someone means to hit them. Like, wait, is, does it mean miss or does it mean hit? Like another one was bound. Like you can be eastbound, meaning you're going somewhere, but you could also be bound, meaning you're not going anywhere. And love is kind of the same way. It means so many different things. It's so complicated, so complex. And so unless we have a good starting point, a good foundation of, okay, what is Christian love? What does it look like? Then we're going to be confused on how we are to behave. So there are three things we learn in this text about loving others and what that will look like in our life. Number one, we love one another when we practice righteousness. Okay, we love one another when we practice righteousness. Let's look at it again in verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. How do we know if you're a child of God? And how do we know if you're a child of the devil? Well, according to John, he says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. In other words, those that do practice righteousness, right? And those that do love one another are of God. Pretty simple, right? He kind of uses the double negative. He's like, if you don't practice righteousness, then you're not of God. So we flip it. If you do practice righteousness, then you are of God. Well, what's righteousness? Great question. Thank you for asking me. Righteousness is the condition acceptable to God. Righteousness is a condition that is acceptable to God. Well, how do we then become acceptable to God? Right? If, if, to, if to love one another starts with us practicing righteousness, in other words, practicing the, the things that are acceptable to God, how do we, what do we do? What does that look like? Well, there's two ideas of righteousness. Number one is the idea of imputed righteousness. Everyone say imputed righteousness. Say it again. Say imputed righteousness. Really, really emphasize the piece. Say imputed righteousness. Thank you. And then apologize for spitting on your neighbor. No, this is imputed righteousness is the righteousness given to us from God through faith in Jesus. Okay, imputed righteousness is righteousness that's given, everyone say given, given to us from God through faith in Jesus. Isaiah would say it like this, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. 
Though our sins are like scarlet, or though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. This is beautiful because notice that God's speaking. He says, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. And then he says to us, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. How? Well, because God gives us righteousness. It's imputed. It's given to us. It's not based upon what we do. It's not earned. It's not go out and do this. And the, and the more you do good things, you'll go from red to like maybe a little orange. And then from orange, like a little pink. And then from pink, you'll sort of dissipate into a white. And then you'll be clean. No, no, though your sins are like scarlet, they're, though they're like crimson, because of what Jesus has done, because of given righteousness, you'll be made white as snow. God makes us acceptable to him. He gives grace. He forgives. He washes. He makes us new. God does that. We don't do that, right? We can't go out there and make ourselves righteous. We can't go out there and spin our wheels and become acceptable to God. You'll, you'll, you'll be stuck forever. So we need imputed. We need given righteousness. But then there's also imparted righteousness. Somebody say imparted righteousness. Come on, say it again and emphasize the P. Imparted righteousness. This is righteousness. Listen to me. This is righteousness or righteous living that is explained to us by God in his word. What's it mean to impart something to someone? means to tell them, right? I'm giving this to you. I'm imparting it to you. So we have imputed something that's given. We have imparted something that's explained. We have a righteousness from God that's given to us through or righteous living that's explained to us by God and his word. In other words, we practice righteousness by doing what God desires for us to do. Can I get an amen? We practice righteousness by doing what God desires for us to do. And the most loving thing you can do is trust and obey God's word. Because when we do that, we're being formed in the image of Jesus, who is the very embodiment of God's love. As you trust and obey God's word, if you, as you say, okay, what's my definition of love? How do I define this? Well, I'm going to start by obeying God. I'm going to start by living righteously. I'm going to start by living separate from the world. I'm going to start by doing what God wants me to do. And as I start there and the Holy Spirit at work in me begins to transform me and change me into the people that God wants us to be, more like his son Jesus, we find ourselves to be more loving, more like Christ. And as we obey God's word, he shapes us to be more loving and more peaceful and more caring, more satisfied with more joy and more purpose and more perspective. Listen, we love one another when we practice righteousness. Because it also creates a community, it creates a people that are righteous, that are living, pleasing to God. So it starts there. We start with imputed, God-given righteousness, and then imparted. We do what God wants us to do. All right, number two, you guys with me? We love one another, number two, when we lay down our lives. We love one another when we lay down our lives. Look at verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. He then gives the negative example, don't be like Cain. That's not love. (laughs) 
He's like, no, no, no. I know murder. I know you probably thought that's pretty loving. It's not. Murdering people, no, not loving. Very bad, right? We're like, got it, John. Murder, bad, not loving. He gives us a negative example, and then he jumps, verse 16, he says, by this we know love, because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. Ready for it? Here's the command. And we also ought to lay down our lives for who? The brethren. Now, when we're talking about brethren, brothers and sisters, when we're talking about loving one another, this is specific language. In the New Testament, this is always referring to a specific group of people. Do you know who that is? Who do you think the brethren are, or brothers and sisters, or love one another? Who do you think? The church. It's Christians. So when the Bible talks about loving each other or love one another, we're talking about the brethren, brothers and sisters. It's speaking of the church. Now, there's a different posture or a different love that we show the world. It's different, but there's a distinction. When we're talking about laying down our lives for one another, who is it speaking of? It's talking about the church. It's talking about brothers and sisters. It's talking about other Christians. There is a responsibility. There is a love that we should have for people that don't know Jesus. We should have a relationship with them. We should love them. We should care about their well-being. But more than any of that, we should want to see them come to know Jesus. Why? Well, because Jesus can transform their life. Jesus is the best person they'll ever meet. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus can change everything. So we have that love for the world because we recognize, actually, you need to meet Jesus. Uh, Pastor Pete here at the church, he always talks about when he got saved, that the, the people that led him to the Lord, the way that they just talked about Jesus, they, they talked about him like he was a family member, but like he was the best family member. Like he was everyone's favorite family member. And it's just the way they talked about him was like, oh, man, you got to meet him. He's the best you love them. Like, that's kind of the idea. And the way we love the world is by showing Jesus is the best. But the way that we love Christians, the way that we love the church, the way that we love one another, do me a favor, look around real quick. Okay, this is who we're talking about, right? Now, obviously, it expands from here. We could, like, take a field trip over to the sanctuary and look out. Should we do that real quick? All right, let's walk out the door, like into the sanctuary. Look, that We can go into the children's ministry, right? Look at all the kids. We could actually get in the car, get in a bus, and drive to another church nearby. We could go to the, your, your, like your school where there's other Christians that maybe attend another church. We could get on a plane and fly to Africa, and we could go to Ghana. We could drive to Pepeasi where we have our, our academy, our church, and we could look at the people there, and we'd say, that would be the church. Are you with me? It's Christians. It's other followers of Jesus. And it's saying, love one another. Well, how do we do that? He tells us, lay down our lives for each other. In other words, set aside your preferences, your feelings, your desires, even your hurts, and look for ways to show love to those that are around you. Well, what does that look like? How do we show that kind of love? Look at verse 17, same chapter. We stopped in verse 16. Verse 17, it says, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
Two ways, he tells us. How do we love one another? How do we lay down our lives for one another? First, we use our resources. That's what he says. We use our resources. If you have the world's goods and you see somebody in need and you shut up your heart, you're like, man, I don't have the time. I'm not really interested. No, I worked hard for these resources. This is mine. These are my world's goods. They belong to me. And you shut up your heart? He says, how is the love of God abiding in you? We use our resources. What God has given to you, you use that then to bless others. That looks like money, if you have money. Some of you are like, I'm in seventh grade. I've got no money. Zero. The last dollar I got, I I spent it on skins on Fortnite. And you're like, that is such an old joke. Here we are, making Fortnite jokes. Right? You're like, I've got no money. Well, then it also looks like talents. What, is God, what abilities has God given you? How can you use the abilities that God's given you to bless the church? What about your time? Like, you've got time. You're like, I've got busy. I've got this going on and that. Well, where do, you have, where do you have free time to bless the church? Maybe you have wisdom. You're like, I'm young. I don't have wisdom. Maybe you have unique experiences. Right? Maybe your family is broken, right? You come from a divorce home, and it's, it's chaos, it's a mess, and maybe God has given you wisdom through that. Maybe God's given you a heart of compassion because of that. Maybe you've lost a loved one that's super close to you, and maybe your friend's going through something similar, and God has given you grace because of that and peace through that that then you can use to bless somebody else. What has God given you? What are the abilities? What are the talents? What is the wisdom? What is the experiences that God's given you that's a resource that rather than you shutting your heart up to the people around you, God wants you to use that to bless the people around you? So we use our resources. But then secondly, how do we lay down our lives? We use our actions. He says, let's not love in word. Let's not just tell it. Like, wouldn't that be weird? Like, we just walk around, hey, I love you. Like, okay, it's a little weird. After church, we're going to put this into practice. Just go up to a random person and be like, hey, I love you. No, don't do that. Be weird. It says, let's not just love in word. We don't just say it, but in deed, in action, in what we do. It's one thing to say you love someone, right? It's one thing. It's another thing to show them that you love them. And what's interesting about showing people love is it's unique from person to person, right? Right, like how I show you as like the, as the students here love and how I show like my parents love or how I show my wife love is different, isn't it? But it's designed because it's unique to you. It's unique to the relationship that we have. We're called not to just love in word and what we say, but in action. So we lay down our lives for the church. We lay down our lives for one another. We look for opportunity to use our resources, and then we look for opportunity to use our actions to love one another. Okay, final thought. You guys still with me? Is this helpful? Okay, final thought. We love one another when we abide in life. We love one another when we abide in life. Now, again, John, the author, makes dramatic language to make a distinction between love and hate. Right? He talks about the children of God and the children of the devil. He talks about love, and he talks about murder. (laughs) He talks about life, 
and he talks about death. When you love the brother, you're walking in life. When you hate your brother, speaking of the church or sister, you're walking in death. That's the idea. Look again, verse uh, 13. He says, do not marvel, my brother, and if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Jesus, when he taught, made a distinction between loving in action, which we just talked about, and loving in attitude. Jesus took it a step further. Jesus is like, don't you just love in word, but don't you just love in action because you can pretend. Also love in attitude. Jesus would say it's not okay to just not murder. He says, in fact, the Christian can't hate his brother in their heart because if you hate your brother in your heart, you're guilty of murder. The point isn't to just not steal from someone. The, the point is, but to not even gossip about them and steal their reputation. Right? Jesus would talk about it's not just action, it's attitude. It's not just what you do or don't do, it's also how you feel towards someone and think about someone and, and how you posture yourself towards them. And the Christian is called to live in a radically different way than the world around them. All defined by the word of God and the ways of God. And it's interesting because I like, I like what John says. He says that we love not in word, but in deed. And not just in what we say, but he says in truth. We love in truth. That's a powerful concept. We love in truth. And then John would tell us, it's almost abrupt, but you can kind of see the train of thought that he's seeing here. But he says, okay, love each other. And everyone, I think you could preach that message to any place in the world and people are like, yeah, love each other. Let's just, let's just hold hands, man. Let's just like, let's just hold hands and like love each other. Everyone, yeah. Well, what does that look like? Well, just leave me alone. Don't tell me what to do. Don't, don't impose. Don't overstay your welcome. Don't, don't ever, like, be serious. Just have good vibes towards me, and, like, let's just all be okay. Right? Like, that's kind of the idea. And then he says, no, 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 we don't just love in, like, a feeling. We don't just love in what we say. That's foolish. We love in action, and we love in truth. And then he says this, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Like, whoa, wait a second. I thought we were talking about loving each other. I thought we could preach this message anywhere. I thought we could say just, yeah, everyone's sing kumbaya. Everyone's, it's all good. We love each other. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Well, why? Well, because the call for Christian love, the true definition of love, is a distinct type of love and a distinct type of behavior that stands out from the world's idea of love. The world's idea of love is just leave me alone, let me be me, and it's all good. Biblical love says, no, 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 there is a truth, there is a way, there is a distinction, there is a, a right direction. And if you're not going the right direction, you're, you're being led towards death. And the loving thing to do is to abide in life. We're about life. Listen, as followers of Jesus, we are about life, 
not about death. Across the board, we're about life. And we want to see people that are broken and hurting and, and, and living in lifestyles that are destructive. We want to see them find life. That's the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is life and abundant life, life to the full. And so how do we love each other? Well, we start by the church loving one another, laying down our life for, the, for one another and abiding in life. And that looks like specifically for here, for the Christian, it means both our action and our attitude. We're not going to harbor bitterness or hatred or, or, or envy or any of that. We're going to love each other. We're going to be honest. But then also for the world, what that looks like is it might cause friction. Why? Well, because people that are for death are opposed to life. <laughs> And the follower of Jesus, we, we are about life. So how do we do that? What does that look like or how do we find the motivation? Well, we allow the words of Jesus to direct us and the ways of Jesus to display it for us. I'm going to invite the worship team up and we'll close. Final verse again, verse 16. It says, by this we know love. Okay, love can be known. Love can be put into a sentence, Right? Here's the answer. What is love? What does it look like? How, how do we know? Well, this, by this we know love. What is it? Because he laid down his life for us. Jesus would say that there's no greater love than for someone to lay down their life for their friend. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. In other words, where do we find the motivation to love? What does it look like to love one another? How do we live this thing out? We look at what Jesus has done for us. If Jesus would do that for those that we go to church with, how much more should we love them? If we recognize that everyone's created in the image of God, saved by the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and called to be a part of God's kingdom, how does it change how you treat people that you go to church with? Are you with me? Every single one of you is, is created in the image of God. Every single one of us has a call of God on their life. You've been marked. You've been set apart. And some of you, that means you're going to reach a lot of people. Some of, me, some of you, that means you're going to parent kids. Some of you means that you're going, to, you're going to work in a job and you're going to work hard and you're going to be a blessing to those that are around you. You've got a call on your life. And if we recognize that we're created in the image of God, that we're saved by the same blood, that we're empowered by the same spirit, that we're all called to participate in the same kingdom, it changes how we treat one another. And if the church can learn to love one another, it's going to have an even greater impact on the world around us. And if we can make the distinction between what love actually is, <laughs> and if we can say, this is how we know love, not by what we feel, if we can recognize, right, that we're created by God, that God has a call on our life, it will transform how we live. And if we can learn how to love each other right, will have more of an impact in the world around us. If we make the distinction between what biblical love looks like and we recognize that actually biblical love might actually, it might actually cause the world to hate you. 
That's what he says. In the train of thought, he says, love one another, but don't be surprised if the world hates you. Wait a second, I thought we were loving each other. Well, their definition of love and the real definition of love is different. So it's going to cause friction and division and confrontation and maybe even hate. But that doesn't mean we're not loving. That means we're doing what God's called us to do. And we're recognizing that. I mean, Jesus was the most loving person on the planet. And what happened to him? They killed him. Why? Well, because he didn't, he didn't fit their mold. They didn't like that. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell us what to do. Don't tell us to forgive. Ick. Don't tell us to be kind and compassionate. Don't, te- don't tell us blessed are the poor in spirit. Ew. <laughs> no, we, we want to do what we want to do. Jesus would say, this is love, that we lay down our lives for one another. 